Welcome back to another podcast, Blake Street Irregulars, your local Colorado Rockies podcast, brought to you as always by Tap 14, Tap 14 on the roof of Haters and Co. downtown, just a stone's throw, catty corner from the home plate entrance to Coors Field on 1920 Blake Street, 70 Colorado beers on tap, 100 distilled Colorado spirits, a seasonal menu from Chef Taylor Creedon that is absolutely delicious, it's perfect for you to go down there on the rooftop, either before our Rockies games, after Rockies games, hey, if you don't have a ticket, during Rockies games, it's perfectly good. So to enjoy that, right down to Haters & Co. Always happy to visit Tap 14. You'll catch me there more than a few times, especially during those day games. With me today is Casey Light. You can follow Casey on Twitter at Light on His Feet. The uh, grand poobah of Mile High Sports. That, that's, I guess that's, uh, I don't know if that's on the business card, but that's probably what it should be. The business card reads GM, and I like to tell everybody uh, that stands for Garbage Man. I like I grand tend to poobah do a lot of the better. cleanup of, uh, of things around here. But no, uh, general manager is the official title. But yeah, I, uh, I do a, a, a few tasks here, including sit in and talk a little Rockies with you. Yeah, well, Casey, you, you pitched in college, and, and obviously it's a terrific opportunity to sit down and, and talk with you about the Rockies. You wrote a very interesting column at MileHighSports.com uh, not all that long ago about the Rockies' plate discipline, something that, that I have harped on over the course of the season of this podcast and also uh, on air on the morning show at Mile High Sports with uh, Nate Lundy, that the plate discipline for the Rockies has become really problematic. The Rockies' offense, if you look at it statistically, and you have to look at sort of advanced Saber metrics, but if you look at their their run creation adjusted by park, because we know that Coors Field is, is the greatest place to hit ever. Yes. The Rockies' offense is near dead last, and, and it's not because of the talent there. You have the defending batting champion in D.J. LeMahieu. You have a, a breakout performer in Charlie Blackman who leads the league in triples by double anyone else, and it'd be in the top three in the, any of the last six years. And went into the All-Star already. break as the Major League leader in hits. Right. You have the RBI leader in the National League in Nolan Arenado, but the offense is still down. And in part, that seems to be because this team has way too many zero result at bats as opposed to the at bats where you advance a runner a ground ball or you have an opportunity to create an error or something this team swings and misses far too often yeah it's certainly been a problem and, and we knew it was a problem with this lineup going into the season just based on the names that were on the roster uh, they have loaded themselves with a number of guys who are as you say zero result I would say on the flip side they're also big result um, you know there's a statistic in baseball or, or, a, or a phrase in baseball called uh, a one true outcome, right? Uh, or a true outcome where essentially it's it's the result of a play between the pitcher and the batter where the fielders have zero influence. That's a walk, a strikeout, or a home run. And if you look at the story of the Rockies' success, winning or losing, it is tied very much to avoiding those one true outcomes. Um, well, at least certainly avoiding the strikeout side of those. Um, the Rockies are a big strikeout team, but they're also a big home run team. Uh, Buddy Black has been pressing them of late to become a better walk team or a better uh, patience team. And we saw that uh, just recently in their in their win over, and it was a very narrow win <laughs> over the San Diego Padres uh, to start this last three-game series. They went on to get the sweep and did so in fairly dominant fashion, or at least if you look at the run total over the three games. 36 runs in three games. Was, yeah. It was phenomenal, but those first two games were, were a little bit of nail biters, partially because the bullpen struggled and, and the starting pitching wasn't as strong as you would have liked it to have been. Um, but in that first game especially, uh, the Rockies struck out only three times in that game. And if you look back, I actually I, I, I wrote the piece, and, and I, 
believe the number was something to the effect of when the Rockies strike out five or less times, they win at roughly an 80% clip. That's a huge number. I mean, when you're striking out five or less times, you're winning at an 80% clip. No team is going to win at an 80% clip unless you're the Los Angeles Dodgers, it seems like, at this point. Uh, but the Rockies, on average, are striking out about 10 times per game. And that number is just its extremely high, especially when they're not getting the big hits like they were last year, when they're not getting the home run production that they were last year. When you look at the numbers there, when you mentioned the Dodgers. Now, they're almost on a different plane than everyone else, but they have about 20 to 30 fewer walks, uh, or, pardon me, strikeouts than the Rockies, but they have over 100 more walks. And so that, that equates to scoring opportunities that the Dodgers create that the Rockies have not. And if you take them out of the equation because the Dodgers are really on another plane, you look at Arizona, who is fourth in the NL in strikeouts, directly behind the third-place Colorado Rockies, with uh, about 13 fewer strikeouts, but again, walked 35 more times. And that's the catch. That's why the Rockies seem to have these sort of pendulum games where, yeah, they have a series against the Padres where they scored 36 runs, but then they can score two or three. A lot of that gets encapsulated, and let's look at the last two games by, by Trevor Story. Two nights ago, the Rockies win, and they win handily. Trevor Story goes 0 for 4 with four strikeouts and, and barely puts up an effort. I mean, it is the mm -hmm. textbook rusty gate yep. type, <laughs> a type of uh, scenario there. The next night, Trevor Story comes out and and gets three runs and drives uh, dri drives in three uh, different runs himself gets three hits almost gets the cycle, but you look at it and you say okay well he's, th he's three for in this case you know he's three for eight mm -hmm. so he's hitting the cover off the ball, but not really it gets disguised when you're so hit and miss and, and the Rockies who are unquestionably angling for a wild card. Now put themselves at the risk of, okay, what Trevor story do you get? What Rockies offense do mm -hmm. you get? If you're going to one-game playoff, you have to get the 0 for 4 with 4Ks Trevor story. Your whole season goes away very quickly. Well, you talked about Trevor story, and, and I'll go back to that first game in the series. The Rockies won that first game in the San Diego series by three runs. Three of those runs came on very important walks. They took two walks with the bases loaded, one by Ian Desmond and one by Mark Reynolds. And then Pat Valeka took one late in the game to help give them an insurance run, which uh, Charlie Blackman, it was a, it was a very well-produced run. It was Pat Valeka took a one-out walk. Charlie Blackman drove him to third with a single. And then DJ LeMahieu took the very first pitch that he saw and drove it to right field for a sacrifice fly. And those types of productive at-bats that we were talking about um, were so, so critical in that win. You talked about Trevor Story. I just mentioned Ian Desmond and Mark Reynolds. Those three hitters lead the Rockies in terms of strikeouts per at-bat. Uh, essentially, between the three of them, Trevor Story is going to strike out once out of every three at-bats or less, which is... That's, that's shocking. That's, it's a massive number. Uh, Mark Reynolds has always had a problem with right. strikeouts in his career. He was better about that early in the season, but he's starting to regress back to his mean a little bit. Uh, but he's still number two on the team. He's striking out about three and a half, uh, once out of every three and a half at bats. And then Ian Desmond is closer towards four. But still, you're talking about, you know, essentially between if those three guys are in the lineup, you're looking at between two and four strikeouts every single game just coming from those three guys in the lineup. You mix in a guy like Gerardo Parra. I threw out a funny stat the other night. Uh, Gerardo Parra took two walks in a game uh, earlier in the in the Padres series. During the entire month of May last year, he took two walks. So that gives you some perspective <laughs> oh, wow. of, of Gerardo Parra and his patience and his discipline at the plate. But you're absolutely right. The Rockies, you know, and, and I mentioned this, you know, I've been writing about how the Rockies, you know, need to really be prepared for for the 
trade deadline based on this one game playoff scenario and you know the moves that they make need to be factored in based on this one game playoff and it's, and it's like you said you know if if you're going to have a day where where you go ice cold to the plate where you don't put up 18 runs as they did against the Padres in the series finale if you're going to have to try and scratch out you know three or four runs off of a Robbie Ray or Zach Granke uh, it, it can be very difficult if you've got guys who are getting up there and swinging and missing multiple times in a game. The Rockies uh, currently sit 10th in the National League in walks. The five teams below them, Philadelphia, San Francisco, San Diego, and Miami, are four of the five worst teams in the NL. The only other one in that mix is Atlanta, and they're still under 500. There is There is a direct correlation because you're getting guys on base. The Rockies in this San Diego series – uh, we're able to break it open at times with errors uh, on the uh, the Padres as well, and sometimes really terrible errors. Yes. <laughs> you have to take advantage of bad teams, and they did. But you only can do that when you get the bat on the ball. I, I, when, I, when I played baseball, I, I was not a good hitter, but I, I, I could run. And the truth of the matter is I had managers who would flat out tell me, I don't care if you hit a four-hopper to shortstop, don't strike out, because the, the shortstop still has to pick it, he has to make a good throw, and the first baseman still has to catch it. And so when the Rockies get that strikeout and then they go up there and they're swinging maybe for the fences, then you don't give the other team an opportunity to mess up. And the truth of the matter is baseball sometimes is about which team messes up first, and that's been a challenge for the Rockies. You talk about the swing and miss power, though. The Rockies dead center, eighth in the NL in home runs with 115. So it's not as if they're dominating in power either. This seems to be something given their record. Now, the, as, as we record this, they finished their series with the Padres. They've surpassed by a half game the Diamondbacks, and now are in the top wild card spot. We'll see how long that lasts, but the Diamondbacks – uh, have made a trade to acquire J.D. Martinez, a very, very good bat against left-handers. But as fate would have it, he also got beaned on his hand on the very <laughs> first game. Uh, not anything broken, but the bruise. And and for the uh, Diamondbacks, the now losers of eight of their last ten, we'll see where they go. But th- this is such an interesting approach for the Rockies because big innings, by and large, come because either a pitcher is walking guys, which the Rockies don't take a lot of walks. And the Rockies know very well from their own pitching staff. Right. Or the team makes errors. Or you at least get productive outs where you advance runners into scoring position. And this is the kind of thing that it seems to me like the Rockies, while having a very talented offense, have sort of been able to basically just get lucky in not having them bite them as often as it it does. But if they're going to continue to try to be a contender, and I understand the Dodgers and, and Rockies fans probably may not like to hear this, they're probably out of reach for the next seven to 10 years. And the Dodgers with their new uh, television contract that is worth $4 billion are going to be able to have the highest payroll in baseball every single year for any time in the near future, even including the Yankees, including the Red Sox. So the Rockies are going to be facing those wild card uh, type of roles. And that's going to be the goal every year. How do you change that approach? Can you change that approach? Or is, are this, is this just the guys they are? No, I I think you here's the problem is that the Rockies need to find an approach and stick with it. And that's been the the truth for this franchise for a long, long time is, you know, whether it be the paired pitching mantra or the we're going to be fitter than everyone else mantra or it's the we're going to be faster than everyone else mantra or we're going to be the Blake Street Bombers. um, The Rockies have have finally, it seems like it seems like started to settle in to say we are going to find sluggers were on the offensive side. Let's I mean if we're being on, you know, Charlie Charlie Blackman is a leadoff hitter who knocks the cover off of the ball. 
Trevor Story is a shortstop who knocks the cover off the ball. They don't have a D Gordon type on their roster. They don't yeah, have a there's, Trey there's Turner. There's not that true speedster they, who's really they there and steals. They haven't had that type of a guy really since even like a Dexter Fowler, um, really. And so they've, they've moved away from that, and they've, they've gone to— we want to find well-rounded, great baseball players who can hit the ball with some power. Uh, and and that's good for them. They've they've figured out that they need to have some power arms. They've they've locked in on this high spin rate. The biggest key for the Rockies is that they need to be able to keep producing that over and over and over again, uh, and and do so with young guys coming up. Because look, the reality is the Colorado Rockies are not going to be able to build up great talent, a Nolan Arenado type, and keep them time after time after time. It's just not realistic uh, from a financial standpoint. You know, Nolan is going to be due a huge. I mean, huge. Payday, and they're you know lucky that they'll have Cargo's money coming off of the books. Jose Reyes's money will be coming off of the books soon. So there's a large That's amount forty-two million dollars between yeah. them. Yeah, it's, so it's a huge number um, that can go towards Arenado. But Charlie Blackman's going to be due a large payday very right. soon. If Trevor Story writes the ship and becomes the Trevor Story that he was his rookie year, if David Dahl does the same, all of a sudden you're looking at a number of players who are probably in that twenty million dollar a year range, which sounds crazy, but that's where baseball is going, and especially with the Dodgers. So the Rockies need to be able to continue to develop these types of players. And like you said, it's it's tough because you don't want to swallow that bitter pill of we're going to be competing for a one game playoff every single year. But boy, does it seem really you know, daunting over the over the course of the the short run, um, especially you know with Clayton Kershaw you know locked in for for probably the next you know two to three years as as the predominant starter. Uh, Granky and Ray obviously over there in in Arizona are are solid starters. So you know the Rockies do you know they do have to plan for playing that one game playoff uh, if they're going to be competitive every year. Going into to this season, of course, the Rockies have really surprised. Now, I'm glad you brought up that point, though, with uh, Charlie Blackman. Charlie Blackman and D.J. LeMahieu, both in their final year of arbitration, and set for enormous raises regardless. Yes. Obviously, I think the Rockies would like to get something done with both of them. I think Blackman's higher on the priority list uh, than LeMahieu, in part because some of the higher uh, talent in the Rockies' farm system are infielders, and if they believe they can't get anything done with LeMahieu, perhaps that's a better fit. But there really isn't anyone to replace uh, Charlie Blackman's rather unique skill set. But both of those guys are set for enormous raises, and some of this is about making sure that Nolan Arenado at least finds Colorado appealing to stay at. But sticking with the, the plate appearances and the discipline idea, uh, you, you pitched. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we're talking about all the results that the batters could have. In Coors Field, over the history of Coors Field, the Rockies won their thousandth game there earlier in the week. Getting into a team's bullpen first is one of the best measures of success. The Rockies' lack of plate discipline and the amount of pitches they take per plate appearance also means that the pitcher, the starting pitcher, has a lot less wear and tear and can go deeper into the games. So even if you're not drawing more walks, even if you're not seeing the ball that well, the ability to at least have a longer at bat where you're taking six pitches instead of three or four or seven, that changes the entire dynamic of the game, even though there's no real statistic that accounts for it. That's something the Rockies aren't doing either. No, they're not getting into those deep counts like you would like to see them to. And, and a little bit of that is the offensive philosophy of when you when you see a solid pitch, you know, don't be reluctant to jump on it, um, especially in a place like Coors Field where you have so much open space to work with. Uh, but on the flip side of that, you know, if you looked at, I believe it was the last time Granky pitched here, he he was essentially in the seventh inning, and, and you bad address, you're saying, how is he at 68 pitches? Right. <laughs> and, and essentially that, that was somewhat of the truth. Uh, 
the Rockies have a few grinders uh, in terms of at-bats. Charlie Blackman is probably the best there is. Uh, but as far as up and down the rest of the lineup goes, there's not a ton of guys who can make you work, who can take that 11-12 pitch at-bat, who will force you to uh, really labor to earn that out. I mean, even even Nolan, who for as good a hitter as he is, you don't see him all that often taking even an eight or nine pitch at bat. Um, you know, Nolan is, he's going to, you know, foul a ball off here and there when he's got two strikes. But, you know, Trevor Story certainly is not the type that's going to shorten up uh, and just try and move the ball around. I mean, really, you've got, you know, Charlie Blackman and DJ LeMahieu are about the only two guys on, in, in terms of the consistent starters that are going to work long at bats. One of the things that you see, you see kind of get... Uh masqueraded is the, the power is still advantageous the rockies actually lead the national league in a kind of an interesting stat they leave the fewest guys on base per game now some of that's because they're not on base because they're striking out but they do <laughs> seem to be to be capitalizing when when these players are are on base and, and the concept of clutch in every sport is is so variable and whether it's even actually a thing but it, for the rockies that they've been getting it done at the right time how do they keep sustaining this, or do you think there is some sort of regression towards the mean likely to happen towards the rest of the season? The one thing that has defined this team, minus that 5-15, and 20-game stretch where they dipped, dropped out of first place in the National League West and, and fell behind really where the Dodgers, you know, the, 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 the up and down on the XY axis really just crossed one another. Um, they have been able to produce in situations when it mattered and, and buddy black would go back to that time and time again especially in those first two and a half months of the season we're starting to see that a little bit more of late um it really is a belief and in, in one another and it's an, a, an ability to pick the other guy up that i think this this roster really does have and that this club uh you know it, it sometimes comes in in strange and in and unexpected places um you know where nolan arenado might you know strike out with two men on but out of nowhere, here comes Alexi Amarista, who happens to be in the game for a particular reason, uh, and you know, gives you a, a two-out double. Um, Tony Walters has been particularly clutched through the early part of the season. He's definitely uh, scaled that back, but then you turn it around, and Ryan Hannigan comes up, and and over the last few games, Ryan Hannigan has been producing quite a bit, and so. Uh, you know, the nice part is there's a ton of depth. Uh, Alyssa No, who uh, you guys spoke with earlier today on your morning show right. on Mile High Sports Radio, AM 1340, FM 1047, uh, has been doing a series called Rocky's Riches, which is really about the depth that Colorado has across the board. And I think that is one of the nice parts is, you know, we haven't even met, you know, I've mentioned his name just sort of in passing, but, you know, a guy like Pat Valeka, who, if Trevor Story isn't giving you those productive at-bats, isn't coming through in the clutch, you can turn to, as they have dubbed him now, Patty Barrels, and he's going to find a way to get it done. It's sort of that uh, that next man up mentality that you hear about in, you know, in the NFL so much it has really sort of uh, rung true for the Rockies this year. The, the versatility is something that Jeff Breidich has preached and talked about how important it is in baseball. The idea of, of signing someone like an Ian Desmond who was signed to play first, as it turns out, you can't move Mark Reynolds off first. So Desmond's been playing in the outfield. That really has been advantageous and, and is baseball's always looking for its next money ball approach. 
uh, the Rockies might be, for the first time in a long time, maybe a little bit ahead of the curve. As we tend to look at the going forward, the Rockies will then uh, to have Pittsburgh here in Coors Field over the course of the weekend. I will be back with you on Monday with Ronnie Court with a new podcast uh, when they take on, they hit the road, and then they take on some challengers, the St. Louis Cardinals, who are in pursuit of the Rockies, and the Washington Nationals, who appear to be even a worse matchup for the Rockies than the Dodgers. So as they t- continue to try to hold off the Diamondbacks and everybody else who's starting to consolidate behind them, uh, the Cubs seem to be getting into gear. You kind of feel that they'll end up winning the Central, but where does that leave an overachieving Brewers team again? So there'll be a lot to follow as the month goes on. The Rockies now 8-7 and seven in July. That's not great, but it puts the horrible slide at the end of June now behind them as they have won four straight. We'll continue to uh, check in with the team and hopefully continue to check in with Casey because I have a theory down the road. I'm going to tease a future podcast. I want to talk about catcher ERA and hmm. how veterans affect pitchers, something that you would know far better than I would. So we will we will do that uh, hopefully soon enough as well. But for now, make sure you follow Casey on Twitter at Light on His Feet and go to MileHighSports.com and read all the very insightful articles he has. And then, you know, when I'm on air, say thanks to Casey for keeping us, you know, running because he's the one that keeps the lights on so (laughs) thanks a bunch casey for your time Uh, as always we're brought to you by tap 14 you can follow tap 14 you can make sure you check them out actually on the internet go to tap 14.com you spell it out spell the number 14 out and go visit them on blake street 1920 blake at the rooftop of haters and co the best rooftop bar in denver i love it there like i've said before i'm just happy they don't charge me rent yet so for casey i'm sean drotar this has been a 5280 sports network production